It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of your podcast platforms. As always, Joe O'Donnell joined by John Mita. Let's cut right to it, Johnny Mita. A lot to get to here on today's episode. We're nearing 200, by the way, all-time episodes between SoundCloud and Anchor and all these other podcast platforms. So, uh, thanks for all the support so far. Johnny Mita, what's up, brother? We're going to have to make a decision on where we do our 200th show, man. We're going to have uh, – when do you think that – what number are we at? Where are we at? Well, 160, 170? 172, I think, is today. 172, all right. So That gives you uh, 25. Maybe maybe this to, to next summer out. at the Icona, you know, wow. live from the shore, huh? Could be perfect wow. timing there. You never yeah. know. That could be. I was gonna actually say maybe she get your ass to Iowa, but all you know, right. I like that. I like the idea of the shore much better. Well, I mean, we could do Iowa. We could do a big, big, huge setup out of corn country. I wouldn't mind because, that. Because at this rate, the way the hockey season for next yeah. year is trending, yeah. You know, if, if hockey doesn't get rolling till January slash February. Uh, my summer is going to look a lot different than it has in the past, unfortunately. But I don't want to get depressed. We nah. have enough depressing things to nah. talk about. Stay positive, brother. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how we do it, but we're going to try. I don't know either. I don't know either. Uh, we're not going to get into last night's presidential debate because we'll take nah. three hours and you'll yeah. tell me everything I don't need to know. Uh, but it's God. hard to be positive after watching that train wreck. That was um, dreck, man, on all sides. It was embarrassment to be an American after watching that. But, but Philadelphia sports has been an embarrassment for the better part of three weeks now. Let's just quickly rehash. The Flyers come back. They look like world beaters, and they bow out in the second round. They're probably the most promising of the Philadelphia sports stories over the last uh, – since the, the pandemic. Since Definitely the trending upwards. Yeah. The one team that's trending upwards. Yes. For the, sure. The Sixers were a joke. Didn't even win a game against Boston. Weren't even really close to winning a game. The Phillies finished 28-32. They missed the playoffs. They've missed it now since, what, 2012? Haven't had a winning season in nine years. They're a grease fire. And, uh, well, we said last podcast we wouldn't talk about the Eagles if they lost to the Bengals. Caveat, we never discussed what would happen if they tied. So we're going to talk about them. We're going to rip them, quite frankly, as well. We will touch on the Stanley Cup final as the Tampa uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are your 2020 Stanley Cup champs. And then we've got a a quick segment, uh, basically the bus driver here, Eight current players you would drive out of town. Uh, eight passengers and a driver, so nine total complete donkeys you'd want out of the Philadelphia sports scene ASAP. Yeah. Uh, so we got to save some time for that. Uh, let's, I guess, just dive into the fills real quick, my friend, if you're okay with that. Sure. We'll put a bow on their season uh, much more appropriately as time moves along, but the MLB playoffs are underway and the Philadelphia Phillies are not part of it. Turns out down the stretch in those big games, all they needed to do was go two and six in their final eight. They would have gotten in. Turns out all they needed to do was win their final game. They would have gotten in because they got all the help they needed on the out-of-town scores. Turns out the Phillies could muster just one win. They go one and seven over their last eight. They missed the playoffs. Reese Hoskins' injury was untimely. But the thing I think that has me most upset today, a few days later, John Mead, it's just a disappointment. Like, Tonight, it could be Phillies-Dodgers game one, and I know the Phillies wouldn't have a prayer in hell, but just to be able to watch 
the playoffs, Major League Baseball playoffs, and have like some passion behind it and a reason to watch. I mean, I'd be so geeked up if there was a 9.08 first pitch for the Phillies tonight with not a care in the world other than just enjoying the game and getting into the game and the, you know, the emotion that comes with every pitch in playoff baseball. And we don't get it again. And it, it's, it's a failure. It was a season set up to get more teams into the playoffs. It was a 60 game sprint. We knew all of this going in. Sure. The COVID height in the Philly season after they played the Marlins, I'm sure caused some difficulty. They had to play a lot of double headers down the stretch, but there are no excuses. Injuries or not, this team should have been better than his 28-32 record. The over-under was 31 in Vegas. We both would have missed that, lost some money. Uh, just a very disappointing campaign for the Phils, and I'm pretty pissed off, to be honest. Yeah, it's just sheer disappointment, and there's only one place to look, and that is their bullpen was just the worst bullpen I've ever seen. I've been watching baseball. I'm 40 years old. I don't know, since I was eight years old and 33 years of watching baseball, just, you know, they just could not get anyone out. I heard a stat that was given by Ray Dittinger today, which was shocking, that their bullpen gave up an OPS, a career, an OPS this year of, what was it, eight, 857? Which essentially you know, is, so that's all on base percentage plus slug. Right. So a good hitter is in the eight hundred range. Right. So, Nine hundred right. to great OPS, right. et cetera, right. as far as you know, for those that might be wondering. Right, exactly. Way to clarify that for me. So that's essentially Jim Tomey's career OPS. So Wow. <laughs> Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, they made everyone look like a Hall of Famer. That's all you need to know. They blew like what, fifteen, sixteen games, they had the lead. They were just so bad. And then they only lost like 10 games that they never let or eight games. Yeah. I think they lost 20 plus games yeah. when they had the lead at some like, point. And, and like, a not, game, and but... not like a one run lead. There was like no. nine games where they lost. They have like a three run lead. You John know? Mita, I saw the stat 11 saves by Phillies relievers combined this year. Yeah. 14 blown saves. 11 saves. Just think about that number. You have guys on a good 14 year. blown saves. Yeah, that's even worse. That's a lot for 162 games. And, and, and think about if that number's half. That's like seven games, let's well, just say. They're coasting they're, in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, they're probably, they're probably the a six seed in the division. They're, they're probably like a six seed. I mean, it's just, you know what? I hate to say it, hate to be this type of guy, but I'm happy. I'm happy that it went down like this because now this has to force John Middleton's hand to get rid of the garbage. And the garbage is Matt Klintak. Apparently, before he took over the job, I heard today, according to Todd Zalecki, that the Phillies had the number seven overall farm system. Right now, with Alec Bohm and Spencer Howard in their system, they're 23. If they become major league players, which they showed that they should be on, you know, the basically the major league roster, then right. they'll probably drop to the bottom five in baseball. That means this guy had five years to draft people, develop players, and what has happened? Nothing. They can stick their analytical formula right up their yin-yang, okay, <laughs> because clearly that's not working. Did it work for Billy Bean out in Oakland? Great movie, Moneyball. Everyone loved that. Great baseball movie. However, what did the Oakland Athletics have won? Zilch, nada, nothing since that all took place. So, Clear the garbage, John Middleton. 
You know, don't let, let's spend some of that stupid money to get this guy out of town because he stinks. The president stinks. Andy McPhail, get rid of them. You know, make some 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 dreams happen here. Okay, it's going to be hard to be a Phillies fan if you keep these two ingrates in power and you also do not sign JT Real Muto. Keep in mind, I heard another stunning fact, which is going to probably piss off our listening audience. Apparently, whenever you take a player to arbitration, he's going to become a free agent the following year. Like, according to Jason Stark, it's never happened. That person has always left for brighter pastures. So the fact that they didn't want to pay JT Real Muto $2 million, which essentially is chump change, that's probably like the salary for a guy like Eric Brunfeld, for God's sakes. Or Bruntlet, sorry, excuse me. Um, it, it's just, it's an atrocity. I mean, Bryce Harper was loud and clear about his message. The pandemic crew signed JT Muto. I think the best way to repair that rate relationship and make things happen is to get a new voice in there. It's time. He's had five years. We tried out the same crappy pitching staff for years. We've had no young pitchers come through the system. We struck out on picks like Mickey Moniak. I mean, Adam Hazley, like these are some high draft picks, and it turns out they're going to be absolute boss. You signed Scott Kingery to a major league deal without him playing a major league game. How did that work out? Yeah, you want to get him on the Chiefs. Looks like he's going to be the next Chase Utley. He can't even hold Chase Utley's sneakers right now, okay? Scotty Jackpacks. So it's time to just sweep it clean and get some people a baseball guy. I don't want an analytic guy. I don't want some some voice, some great cap guy. Get me a baseball guy. And, and, and find a way to redo the system, the farm system. I don't care if you have to fire scouts. I don't know what it is. You know, it's like, honestly, God, I hate to say this. People are probably going to rip me. Fine, I'll get ripped. You know, the scouting departments for these Philadelphia teams, you know, they're, they're I mean, they're just horrendous in all facets. They never make any good decisions. We never get prospects that come out of nowhere. We never find the diamonds in the rough. We never find Latino players from Cuba, the Dominican Republic. The people we find are straight trash. Get it fixed. Sign JT Real Muto, and maybe I'll buy some tickets for next year. I love it. Absolutely love it. You brought up the quote. I was going to ask you this at some point. We got to be quick on this because sure. we got a lot to get to. But you brought up the stupid money quote. So I want to ask you right now, today, John Mita, as we hit, about to hit the month of October 2020, a, the dumber quote this is the new norm from Doug Peterson after the Super Bowl, or we're going to spend stupid money from John Middleton, the Phillies? Uh, John Middleton, where we're going to spend stupid money. Because when you say that, and you're arguing with a guy for $2 million, a prized possession, and then that the idiot, Clintech, comes out and goes, well, we knew we had him for two years under control. You don't make that trade unless you know you're going to re-sign this guy. So the fact that stupid money, listen, I know they have a high payroll, but again, just like some other you know, organizations, apparently the Eagles don't value the linebacking position. They don't want to pay linebackers. They don't want to draft good ones. I don't know what it is. When you come out and you spend, say, we're going to spend stupid money, when I hear that, do you know what I think of? I think of the L.A. Dodgers. I think of the New York Yankees. I think of the Boston Red Sox. 
I think of the teams that are in top five markets media-wise that can spend the stupid money. Let's not forget the fact that a lot of these contracts are paid by the TV deals. And Comcast pays a huge number to the Phillies organization for the TV deal. So I don't want to hear let's spend stupid money. And then next thing you know, I'm hearing whispers that you don't want to get rid of the general manager because he still has $6 million left on the books. Okay, keep in mind, this was a general manager that still wanted to keep Gabe Kapler. And we'll leave it at that. So stupid money. It's got to be the worst. Doug Peterson, the new norm. It would have been great. Probably would have been the new norm if we'd learned how to draft players and not sign players to ridiculous, stupid contracts. Well, listen, I, I'll only add this. and I, I don't know where to go to answer my own question, to be honest, because I hate both quotes right now. But I, I would just, if you're a Philadelphia athlete, if you're a coach, if you're a manager, if you're an owner, tread lightly in this city. It's a passionate city but we have a hard time moving on from things, you know, for who, for what you can go down the line of all the dumb quotes we've had, or the players that have been selfish or the managers that didn't seem like they cared or, you know, uh, Papel bond grabbing his junk, walking off the field, JD drew, not wanting to sign here. Our memories, we don't have short-term memory loss in Philadelphia. So if you're going to play here, if you're going to manage here, if you're going to own a team in Philadelphia, it's probably better to keep your mouth shut than say something that three, five years down the line or a year later, you're going to regret. Um, and that would be my piece of advice to, to anybody playing in this town moving forward. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, like you just, you get yourself in trouble because we're not going to forget it. No, no, we're never going to forget it. And uh, Stanley cup, Stanley cup final, John Mita, the Tampa Bay lightning, get it done. They win game six to nothing. The Dallas stars, yeah. Uh, gave it a hell of a run coming out of the Western Conference. I didn't expect them to beat Vegas or Colorado, really. Uh, they beat Vegas in five games, which I said earlier on this podcast a couple episodes back. I was very surprised at. Um, but, look, at the end of the day, the best team probably won. I don't think there's there's much debating that. You know, Andre Vasilevsky was unbelievable on net. Incredible. They got timely scoring. They had depth. They have great defensemen. Victor Hedman with 10 goals, like the third most in a, in a playoff by a defenseman uh, behind guys like Leach. And, I mean, it's just the numbers he was putting up, unbelievable. Ryan McDonough, sort of a pulse of that team in a lot of ways. And let's not forget, they did all of this without Steven Stamkos. He played two minutes and 47 seconds of playoff hockey. By the way, he finished with as many goals as Claude Giroux. We'll leave that for another day. <laughs> but the Tampa Bay Lightning hoist the cup. They're second in franchise history. They've been around since the early 2000s or late 90s. They know as many cups as the Flyers. That's depressing in its own right. But the Lightning were the best team. They were 6-0 and when following a loss. So they didn't lose back-to-back games the entire playoff year. Uh, very impressive run. So much sacrifice to be in that bubble. It was weird seeing them hoist the cup and not really skate it around because there were no fans. Uh, to to kind of skate towards the corners or skate around the glass, you know, down by the glass with. But uh, I'm sure that they were glad to get on that charter jet, get the hell out of uh, the bubble in Edmonton and get back to their families and, and some much needed rest for uh, them and the Dallas Stars because it was a hell of a, you know, hell of a Stanley Cup playoff. I'm so glad the NHL figured it out, pulled it off. I think it was great for the sport. And, uh, you know, in March, we didn't know if we'd see a Stanley Cup handed out. Kudos to the NHL to get it done in late September. You could be right. You're obviously our resident hockey hockey guy. Um, 
they did a fabulous job. You got to give Gary Bettman credit, you know, picking the two cities, the bubbles, bringing, bringing the people together. It was amazing. Not being affected. You know, it was like the one league where covert could, didn't rear its ugly head. Incredible job by the players staying disciplined, you know, being in a bubble, me being, you know, anybody that's been locked down during this whole entire thing to provide the fans with so much entertainment. The intensity was there. I mean, if you watch games, and I watched a ton of them, you know, specifically because you made us that that great pool that you were in charge of. But it, it was just great hockey all around. And it's nice to see that the number one scene that was pretty much dominant throughout the course of the year, you know, people with these shortened tournaments and, you know, is there going to be asterisks around this championship? No. Tampa Bay earned this thing from start to finish. Everyone said, a couple of my friends said, you know, the Flyers, you know, Tampa would be a bad matchup for the Flyers. They played them tough. Again, I thought Tampa was just going to be the one to hoist it in the end. They did. I mean, they're so stacked. Their goaltender was absurd. Standing on his head many a nights. Um, Victor Hedman, what can you say? One of the best defensemen in all the NHL. They have guys that can score. And the fact that they did everything, they did all this without Steven Stamkos. And we all know what a great player he is. Just kudos to them and kudos to the team. Listen, when you get jacked out of the first round like they did two years ago, being the number one yep. seed, you know, that's a metal block that could creep back in at some point and you could start thinking about that and be like, oh, here we go. But, you know, big credit to them, big credit to all their families that made the sacrifice. Just well done. Glad to see the cup hoisted and just bring some damn normalcy back to this country because I am tired of all of this and i'll leave it at that but well well done nhl all right let's get to the birds again our last podcast the proposition if the eagles don't beat the bengals we don't talk about them until they win a game they tied 23 23 in a game that i would sum up best as 70 minutes of the eagles trying to give the game away uh and they did a great job of of literally giving that game away in every Every possible fashion. The other words I'd use to describe it, John Mina, before I let you jump in, pathetic, embarrassing, and sloppy. Um, I don't know if you disagree with any of that. I have several other things I'd like to rant on, but why don't you fuel the fire, my friend, and tell me what you thought about that horrific tie to Cincinnati 23-23 on Sunday. The birds are now 0-2-1. Just, just, just dumbfounded. You know, in, in Doug Peterson's regimes, we've seen some improvement, right? So, like, let's say they go out of a football game, and then the next week, you see they've improved some things. You're like, okay, where the hell was that all season? Oh, I like that play. Let's do that. Well, the formula is set up for you, and you're sticking to your game where Miles Sanders is running the football and running the football effectively. In the first half, he had like 66 to 70 yards, like on nine carries, like he was gashing them. And then all of a sudden we go back to pass happy Doug. And I just can't take it anymore. I can't take, you know, on first down. I mean, John Hightower led the team in wide receiver snaps. John Hightower, you're talking about a rookie here. You got on Jackson, can't get on the field, can't stay healthy. Can't play five plays in a row. I'm so sick of it. You have Alshon Jeffrey. He's slipping off balls. Let's Frank Spring. Like, again, <laughs> if you know all this going into the season, why not sign a veteran wide receiver? 
you know, to help out somebody to help these young guys get adjusted. Because I got to be honest with you, I don't think Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are great role models when it comes to tutoring the young players who they drafted. I'm sorry. I just don't see them, you know, being effective role models and trying to help these young guys, especially during this season with no practice time, you know, less training camp, no preseason. It's just the inefficiencies and just, you know, don't sell sell us a bill of goods at how good this team can be. I mean, we are so deficient at so many positions. It is just embarrassing. But I can't take the play calling anymore. I can't take it. There's no creativity. There's no motion. I mean, our offensive line every week is who's on first. We don't know who's playing right guard. We don't know who's at left guard. We don't know who's going to be the center this week. There is no continuity in anything that we do. And we just want to pass, 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 pass. When your quarterback is struggling mightily, and he is struggling mightily, and a lot of his problems stem from his mechanics are crappy. And I think one of the biggest problems is there's just not a singular voice. Doug Peterson, let's come out and say he is not a good player at a good play caller at all. Not even a little bit. Now I can understand why the loss of Frank Reich is so enormous. I think everyone can see. Maybe they'll and why Kansas City hasn't missed a beat since Peterson left as coordinator. Exactly. Exactly. It's just that listen, I think Doug's a coach that can get his players to play. He can keep the locker room together when there's a, a great deal of adversity. But some guys are just not good play callers. It's just like some guys are diff- – like Rex Ryan, for example. The guy's a hell of a defensive coordinator. As the head coach, eh, not so much. And defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. I mean, my God. I, I just – I can't take it with him. He thinks he's the coolest guy in the room. You know, he comes out last week. He said his game plan was too simple against the Rams. It should have been a little more complex. Like, just, just, I, I, I can't take it anymore. But the linebacking play, I mean, these guys are getting blown up. The fact that you don't realize going into the season that these guys can't play a lick, and then you sign a guy like LJ Fort, this guy that was like a backup for Pittsburgh, like a special team stalwart, he comes and basically he plays like, I don't know, two preseason games, then you cut him. Then he gets to Baltimore, he starts making plays, and they sign to a three-year extension. There's something wrong here, and it starts with the – He's the starting linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. Start, yeah, who generally always know how to pick out linebacker right. talent. So what does that tell you? You know, Rasul Douglas right now, I don't know. We're, we're lacking corners right now. Granted, he got cut, and then they had somebody go down with injury. But apparently he's playing a crap ton down in Carolina – so what is it? Are we just not able to draft the right talent? Are we not developing the players? But we have a major issue on both sides. So I, I see this football team as no better than 5-11 with the talent that they have. They might only win three games. In that case, then we tank away, and then we better not strike out on our first-round pick. What they need to do is they need to – Doug's got to release the play-calling duties. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. He's got to give it up to Deuce, give him a shot. But he's got to do it because his bread and butter, his vanilla, there's just no creativity. And this is the thing I just don't understand. What I would do, what they did with Nick Foles, is what they did was they went back on the tape and they saw they, they took like Nick Foles' most 100 successful plays under the Chip Kelly regime, which is not even basically the same type of offense that they run. They took his most successful plays. They incorporated some of that into the playbook. 
the guy steamrolls through the playoffs. That steamrolls Atlanta, tough game. Minnesota smoked, beat the Patriots, but looked great. So why not go to the tape with Carson Wentz, 2017? What was working for him? What plays work? But for God's sakes, run the damn football, Doug. I can't take it anymore. I can't take the first down incompletion, the handoff on second down. Now we're left in third and long, and what they do? What are we doing? We're passing. Like, come up with a better damn plan for the love of God. I hear you, brother. Listen, Miles Sanders is the best player on this football team talent. Hands down. He should have touched the ball 30 times. At, at least 25. At least. At least at 25. Least, and I think he had 18 touches. Like, that's set, you know. That could be seven to ten more positive plays. That's it. Which can get you into field goal range in a tight game, no matter who you're playing. The Bengals are awful. They're awful. And the Eagles let them hang around, and the Bengals kept giving the game back, and the Eagles kept giving the game back. Wentz makes a, a great play to dive into the end zone. He scrambled. Yeah. 22 seconds left. You tie the game. Go to overtime. They punted the ball three times. They had the ball twice at midfield, and they couldn't go 10 yards without shooting themselves in the foot to kick an easy field goal. It's a joke. You mentioned the 47 passes by a struggling quarterback. Again, want to beat my head into the wall. He is struggling, okay? He's struggling. There's no flow to the offense. Why did Corey Clement come in for two series? Somebody explain that to me. What did he do? And I love Corey Clement, but that guy has not been the same. I want 2017 Corey Clement undrafted chip on his shoulder back. He ain't there, and he ain't coming back anytime soon. Boston Scott didn't have it going. Miles Sanders had it going. Two series, Corey Clement comes into the game. Jalen Hurts comes into the game. Why? Why then? Was that scripted? Or, like, just because you have plays for a guy doesn't mean you got to go to him. You know, he fumbles a snap. Like, I'm just, there's no flow. There's no chemistry. It's like they don't practice. And I'm tired of seeing guys resting during the week. I read the practice report. Injury limited. You know, injury limited. This guy's out. This guy rested. Rested. Rest it. This team can't rest anybody because they don't practice enough and they look like it on Sunday. So stop resting guys that are old and get them on the goddamn practice field. Okay? I'm tired of it. Deontay Burnett comes up from the practice squad, makes a catch. Your boy J-Jaw, Ortega Whiteside, invisible again. You know, it's embarrassing. Deshaun Jackson's turning into the Jason Peters of the team from the wide receiving court. He gets hurt every game. Can't finish a practice. Can't finish a game. It's a joke. You're going into these games expecting Deshaun to contribute, and he can't do it. It's embarrassing. Like, uh, the lack of drafting. It's a broken record, but I'm tired of it. They they can't develop players. That part is atrocious. I don't know what happened. What happened to the team that won four games at the end of last year? I know it was against slop opponents, but what happened to that team? They should be better going into this year, and they got worse somehow. And now we get our first taste, John Mita, of the draft revisited from 2020 where Justin Jefferson goes off in Minnesota and has a monster game for the winless Vikings and Jalen Reggers on IR and Jeremy Chin making plays all over the field for the Carolina Panthers secondary as their starting safety. And we've got a guy that's named Jalen Hurts that doesn't even come in and have an impact on the game or he stands on the sidelines and watches. Like I don't freaking get it. And I'm going to give you a couple of stats here. All right, John Mita, the Eagles are averaging 4.3, 4.3 second half points per game through three games. 4.3 in the second half. And that includes Wentz's touchdown with 20 seconds left in the last game, which was their first 
second half touchdown of three games this year. What happened to putting the guys in the right place to succeed? Doug preaches that all the time. What happened to adjustments at halftime? How is this team coming out more flat in the second half when one thing they were good at last year was adjusting and being a better second half team? The turnovers, the lack of discipline with the penalties, the lack of playmaking is disgusting. Defensively, Nate, Gary, Jerry, whatever the hell I'm supposed to call his last name, he stinks. What was that? I'm going to read the stat that I texted you. This is unbelievable if you guys haven't heard this. Nate, Gary, okay, coverage in 2020. So in three games, he's been in coverage. 13 times he's been targeted. There have been 13 catches for 158 yards. He's given up two touchdowns on guys he's been covering. 10 first downs. He hasn't broken up a pass. He obviously hasn't created a turnover. Our defense has yet to do that. The passer rating when targeting Nate Gary through three games, 156.9. I don't know what a perfect passer rating is, but I'm pretty sure it's 156.9. This is a goddamn joke. This guy stinks. He was a safety who probably stunk, so they got too smart to make him a linebacker. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the best linebacker on the team, now looking back on this, I had an epiphany the other night, the Eagles' best linebacker left in free agency. His name was Malcolm Jenkins. Okay? This defense is lost. Jenkins was good at communication and leadership. He might, have been, he might be breaking down, but he's durable. Okay? He might miss a tackle. He might get trucked. He might get beat deep. But you know what? He's going to line up on every goddamn snap. Avante Maddox gets hurt every third game. Jalen Mills can't make a play unless it's a tackle, you know, eight yards down the field, Malcolm Jenkins was the team's best linebacker as a safety. They let him walk, and they brought in a bunch of young guys and Nate Gary, and they're getting absolutely exposed. Absolutely exposed. I don't know where the wins are going to come from from this team. I don't believe they have any confidence right now. I don't believe they have any belief in their ability, and that starts with the coach and quarterback. When you don't believe in your coach or your quarterback, you are screwed. And Brandon Graham can leave the field on Sunday and say, we trust Coach Peterson. Whatever coach decides, we trust. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing they're going to get it fixed. You had two cupcake games in the first three. You blew them both. And now you're 0-2-1 in a terrible division, playing good football teams the next few weeks. And I pray to God they wake up on Sunday night football. But most likely, what all of us are expecting is a complete embarrassment on national television against a banged-up 49ers team. Yeah. It is awful. Yeah, it's so bad. And, and, and let's let's throw somebody under the bus that we later found out this week, okay? Jason Peters got pulled out of the game because he was fatigued, okay? Fatigue. Yes. Again, fatigued. he's resting. He's resting in practice. Practice. F- fatigued, okay? Fatigued. Okay, so the guy wanted more money to play left tackle, but he's fatigued and has to come off the football field. Well, again, I- I'm sorry. I with that. Maybe he should get back the three million dollars that we also gave. Okay, to play left tackle. It's just, it's just a joke. I mean, this the storylines that, that you know, and and when you make a play on defense, okay, when is this team going to turn somebody over? Defensively. Oh, unbelievable. Do you know the last time they made an interception was Sidney Jones last year against the Giants? Against now, uh, I was gonna I was thinking Dallas, but I'm with Yeah. You. No, he made a big play in the he Dallas did, he game. He broke right. up the pass. But, he broke up. But the Giants yeah. game was the last time this team turned somebody over. You know, that you look at the Eagles' great defenses in the past. What were they able to do? They were able to get pressure with their front four, with their defensive ends, their D tackle play. 
and they were able to get some timely turnovers. Right now, we can't do either. Our defense flat out stinks. Look, and I know being an NFL coach is hard, okay? I know that there's armchair quarterbacks all over the world, but play to your strengths. There's not many on this team. Shouldn't be hard to figure out. But the play calling has been atrocious. The lack of using Miles Sanders. You watch the Dallas Cowboys and New Orleans Saints. And I'd say 30% of their plays are dumped off to the running back. It looks so easy. Drew Brees doesn't throw the ball downfield anymore. Okay. And I know they're one and two, but at least they put up points. They dumped the ball to Kamara and I'm not comparing Sanders to Kamara, but in a way I am like, get him open, get him in space and make an accurate throw six yards away. He catches it. He falls forward for two yards or he makes a guy miss. Wentz can't even put those balls in a good spot for yards after the catch. He's got McNabb syndrome times 60. And I, I, I'm not ready to jump off the Carson Wentz bandwagon yet. Okay. The Wentz wagon, I'm not ready. I know a lot of people are going there. I know it's tempting to go there, but players go through slumps. Okay. This is a slump. He needs to build his confidence back up. The coach needs to shut up and start helping him out. I don't know why Peterson continues to make comments in the media that we need Carson to be better. Just shut up. Just shut up. Put him in a good spot to make plays. And with a couple of good drives or a good half or a good game, I believe he will come out of it. This team's not an 11-12 win team. I think we've seen that. Okay? And at this point, it's damn near impossible for them to get there. But this team should not be as bad as the record shows, as bad as we've seen. It's been embarrassing. They stink right now. You got to start with the building blocks. You got to get the confidence back in your franchise quarterback because you're tied to him for the next goddamn decade. Like, forget eating the cap, forget trading them, forget the dead money if you cut them. Like, you got to get them right. And that starts in practice, and that starts with the play calling on Sunday night. You get them back on track by moving them around, by just praying to God he starts to hit some of these easy passes because the quick throws seem to be the only thing. He has successful. He hasn't been overly accurate, right? High throw, low throw. But the quick throws, getting the ball out is good for him right now. He's overthinking things. He's rattled mentally. He doesn't trust the line. He doesn't have weapons. you got to get creative. you got to get the ball out quickly. I am so sick of the intermediate throws, okay? On the first interception, I swear to God, John Mead, it was third yeah. down and long or third and five, whatever the hell yeah. it was, and I literally said, run the ball. But you know what? They line up four wide receivers, and I go, they're going to get this pass batted down the line of scrimmage. And sure enough, they go four wide. He drops back. Ball gets tipped, intercepted. We have seen that from Carson Wentz so many times in a few years, the batted ball at the line. It's on those intermediate routes. He has no trajectory on his ball or he doesn't see the hand. I don't know what it is, but I'm tired of the four wide and these little like six yard crossing yeah. routes where nobody's freaking open and you got to force the ball and it gets tipped. Like yeah. oh, it is like, if I can see it, if I'm sitting in Waukee freaking Iowa calling out the play in the first quarter of a game, what do you think NFL defense? Absolutely. Be? And and that just goes back to, to just the, the ineptitude, predictable. the predictability and the ineptitude of the play calling. Like why not? Like one of the easiest, in my opinion, one of the, the hardest balls to complete are like those out routes that are like, you know, hash, you know, sideline, like from the hash to sideline throws, right? 
But I think one of the easier passes are the slam patterns, you know, because basically you're just essentially thrown to a spot. And if your receiver does a good job, it's very hard for the defense to backpedal and come out and drive on the football. So I just, I mean, just, and here's the deal. The running game is a quarterback's best friend. Okay. There's no need for the guy to chuck the ball 50 times a game. Okay, he right. should throw the ball 30 times a game. And if we're really having some success, maybe 25 times a game. And everything else will work itself out. But to just and give him some easy throws. Get him hot early. You're, you're going yes. against a defense that's going to be decent. Okay, they are, they are struck with the injury bug on the defensive line. That means it's time to run the football. They're missing a linebacker. So, so, so just, just do some things. To, to just... I got a stat of the day for you, John Mead. Oh, boy. There are 26 players who played for the Eagles at some point in 2017, the Super Bowl year. Okay, 26 uh-huh. players at some point played for the Eagles who are no longer on an NFL roster. Wow. That's, that's hard to believe. That is. I mean, it's almost like that was that year was just lightning in a bottle. Pick. Okay. To be three years later to basically have <laughs> nothing you know, to show for. You're still, yeah, you know, twenty six players that aren't even on a roster. Yeah, that doesn't count guys that are still with the Eagles or elsewhere. That's that's a starting eleven on both yeah. sides. Wow, it's crazy how quickly you know either those guys have fallen out of favor or gotten too old or retired or that's, whatever. But how many did you say? Twenty six. Twenty six. Oh God, I mean that's literally crazy. almost half an NFL roster. All right, I, we got a couple minutes left. I want to get yeah, to our driving players out of town. I lit, I have one more quick take right. for you. Okay? Yep. Chip Kelly was right with one thing. There we go. Big people beat up little people, right? That was his famous yep. line. He wanted bigger yeah. guys. And, and it got me thinking, Jalen Rager or Justin Jefferson? <laughs> Rager so far has been a little snake bit with injury. I'm not trying to write the kid off. He's been in pro football for like yeah. a month. But Justin Jefferson is a monster physically, yeah. okay? He's healthy. He's contributing. Rager's been hurt twice. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, we all know about that. But who'd they pass up on? D.K. Metcalf. How big is D.K. Just Metcalf? He's an absolute enormous. beast. Has he been hurt? Doesn't seem nope. like it. So you could say what you want, you know, but it's just uh, – imagine the Eagles with Justin Jefferson and D.K. Metcalf right now. We're good to go. We got great number ones and twos. We got whatever you need. You could throw you could throw anybody. I mean that's and that's the thing. That is the thing that just drives you crazy. It's because like average Joe's like me and you. This is the guy to take. This is the guy to take. And, and listen, I get it. Justin Jefferson, first first three weeks, three receptions, forty yards. Second week, three receptions, twenty, thirty, you know, just getting his feet yeah. wet. But then yep. he, he busts out. You knew he was gonna bust out. And let's say, it's a, you know, he busts out against Malcolm Butler, a pretty damn good defensive back in this in the NFL. Yep. It's not like, you know, he was busting up third some third-string rookie. You knew it was a matter right. of time. And Kirk Cousins has been playing like an absolute donkey do. So right. you, you yeah. knew it was a matter of time for him to break out. But even the receivers that are drafted after Jefferson, some other rookies are still making him pay. You know, and, yep. and, 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 and Jay John. Some of the receivers that were other guys, not only DK Metcalf, but the guys taken other than him, have made an impact in this league. And and and, yep. and this guy can't get on the field. 
It's just, nope. it just pains me. It, it just, I don't understand why this team does not draft from the Southeastern Conference. It, it just blows my mind because everyone else does it. I mean, you look at what Mike Mayock did. He took people from Clemson and Alabama. And what did he do? He found a ton of starters for his damn football team. Yep. All right, John Mita. All right. Take a deep breath. We've got a shuttle bus. It's headed to the Philadelphia International Airport. 100%. You get eight passengers. Yep. They have to be current Philly athletes, and you get a driver. Okay. Get them out of town. Who's going? All right. Well, we got Tommy Hunter. Okay, T- Tommy Hunter is my number one draft pick for the shuttle bus. This guy stunk for years. I'm embarrassed that some people in Philadelphia thought that when this guy was coming off the injury list that he was going to make an impact. Okay, and for him to come out with this line, sorry, it's not good enough. You're right, Tommy. You've never been good at anything. You're not a good pitcher, and I'm sure as hell you're not a good black belt, even though my boy Joe tells me you're a black belt. Still hard to believe, Harry. Tommy Hunter, he's out of here. Another guy, Brandon Workman, okay? Brandon Workman, the guy is just, when the ball leaves his hand, home runs just fly <laughs> off of him, okay? He's uh, another guy. Him and Tommy, and two up front. Okay, in the back, we got to go to some Eagles, all right? In the back, <laughs> J.J. J.J. Arthega, Arcega, Archega, Archiga, Arsuga, Whatever the hell you want to call this guy, Whiteside, he's on the bus, not been productive, drafted in the second round, complete embarrassment. See you later, JJ. Another guy he mentioned on the podcast, thank God you brought up Nate Jerry, a.k.a. White Snake. This guy gets embarrassed every week. He's undersized. Now think about that. He's a converted safety, a safety from college, playing linebacker, and he still can't cover anybody. What does that tell you? White Snake hit the road jack, hit the tour bus with the band White Snake. So we got a white snake. We got a white side and a white That's snake. It. There's four. That's his nickname, okay. the White Snake. All right. Yeah, it's a Gary, Jerry, it's whatever. Go ahead. Number All right, five. Jason Peters. Sorry. Love you, the bodyguard. Wow. Jason Peters, you got to go. Your performance coming out of the game because you were fatigued. Okay. That is an absolute embarrassment. Why don't you give some of that money back to the brown bag that you've been stealing for the last couple of years? See you later. All right. Al Tito Horford. Five years, $100 million. <laughs> He's a see you later guy. Okay. Not going to work. Yep. Bully ball. We're going to, you know, we're going to play bully ball. That worked for about, I don't know, maybe the first game of the season. And then we saw that the two of them can't work together. Okay. Then we're going to talk about Brett. Brown's bomber, Furkan Korkmaz, okay? He, wow. Oh, Furkman. He can't get wet falling out of a boat when it comes to a tough <laughs> game. The guy never makes any threes. We're the one team that drafts Europeans that can't play a leg. Just like the Phillies can't draft a Dominican or a Latino player from Cuba. Furkan. How about this one? Derek Barnett. That's right. That means the 2017 draft class is totally swept up. This guy's got, what, 14 sacks in four years? Okay? He just commits penalties. He's been an absolute bust for the 15th pick of the draft. So. All right. Who's the driver? Uh, the driver that could be only one person. They can only one person. It's going to be Matt Klintek. However, Howie Roseman's <laughs> going to be sitting on Matt Klintek's lap. All right? <laughs> 
and that's how that works okay like 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 right, two bad go. parents taking the kids out of town okay all I right that, that's how it. that goes right. down here we go here are my eight passengers and my driver all right i can't believe you didn't mention this guy in fact you had no flyers jvr ah. get him out of here jvr is number one passenger yeah. I'm going to move to the birds now. Arthega Whiteside and Nate Gary, you had them both. I won't spend time on them. Get them on the bus. <laughs> I also had Al Horford. What a disaster of a signing that was. I was fooled. I was duped. My bad, but I don't watch basketball. <laughs> Moving along, number five. Surprised you didn't put him on here, but I've had enough of Ben Simmons. He can't shoot. He doesn't want to uh, shoot. He can't make free throws. Benny boy, it's been real. Sit. I like it. And now I got three fills to round ah, it out. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. I can't stand Roman Quinn anymore. <laughs> take a hike. Take your strikeouts with you. Hey, you might want to check your bat. There's probably a hole in it. Moving along. The worst. And I don't care. I don't care for a minute if for 30 games he hit the baseball. The worst catcher in the major leagues, Andrew Knapp. See you later. <laughs> You stink. You played too much down the stretch when Real Muto got hurt and he had a DH and then Nap was catching every day and you, the numbers just <laughs> dip. See you later, Andrew Nap. And last but not least from the passenger side of things, your boy, your boy, John Mita, Vince Velasquez. Ah, He's arbitration eligible. He might as well be arbitration ineligible. Take a hike. Don't ever ever, ever put on the Phillies uniform again, Vince Velasquez, you stink. And my driver, he's already on his way out because they ain't going to send him back in a ski mask for another $25 million a year. Jake Arrieta, there you go. goodbye. And if you want a guy that's not up under contract, how about for security purposes, the bodyguard, Jason Peters, he could be in the back to make sure the van doesn't get hijacked. JVR, Thega Whiteside, Nate Gary, Ben Simmons, Al Horford, Roman Quinn, Andrew Knapp, Vince Velasquez, Arietta's driving, Peters for security. That's a wrap. Get out of Philly. Love it. Well said. That was so much fun. I mean, that was like, God, that was invigorating. I mean, that just makes me feel better. I mean, we don't know if all these guys are getting out of town, but boy. I think our team. I think nice. our teams will be in a better place if they do. Just saying. It would be nice, saying. Johnny. Me, always a absolutely pleasure. well done. Uh, Sunday Joe. night football. Oh, yeah. Do they get embarrassed? No, I don't know. If, you know, I don't know. I don't know. This team is bad, Joe. You know, I say they they yeah. they they lose, but it's under ten points. So I don't okay. know. Well, I could I could probably stomach that. Yeah. I guess. Lord knows by 7.20 Central time for kickoff, I'll be hammered. So, at least I'll have that going for me. There you go. Um, Johnny Mito, real quick, brother. Uh, if the birds, yeah, if the birds don't win, do we talk about them? Yeah, because everyone's told we're always going to want to talk Eagles. Although we promise okay. not to. Right. But, um, you know, real quick, let's uh, let's go Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler, please take yeah, out. Marcus. Please take out the Lakers. I can't stand the, the face of LeBron James right now. Oh. I love it. I love it. 45-plus minutes in the books. This has been the Brotherly Love Podcast. John Amita, you're the man. You too, brother. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate the support, as always. Go Birds, I guess. Flag will fly. Until next time, the BL Podcast will suit. <laughs>